0: A scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. Give attention to the reading of God's word. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you; bind them around your neck Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. The grass withers, the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Please be seated.
1: Last week we began a series in Proverbs chapter 3 to open up this new year together, 2022, entitling this series Wisdom for the New Year. And we're slowing it way down as we begin uh, uh, this year together, we're taking um, five weeks in these 12 verses in Proverbs uh, chapter 3, a section in the book of Proverbs that uh, some have entitled a little summary of the entirety of the whole of the book. And I do believe we get something of the richness of the entirety of Proverbs by looking at uh, these uh, three chapters uh, together, or excuse me, this third chapter and these 12 verses uh, together now, as we started last week, we, we used a metaphor, a metaphor that's commonly used in uh, the book of Proverbs to describe wisdom. We used the metaphor of a path. Now, Proverbs regularly speaks of wisdom as a path. It even does so in the text that we just read. If you'll notice it uh, again there in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. That's path. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your Paths, even right here in Proverbs 3, we see that language of, of, of path and wisdom being a, a way that we walk together. And we, we took just a little bit of time last week uh, asking the question if wisdom is a path, what does that tell us about the nature of wisdom? Um, if it's a path, what does that tell us about the nature of wisdom? And we said three, three things, that if wisdom is a path, then um, it uh, provides for us direction. It provides for us direction, because that's exactly what a path does. It tells you where to go, and it tells you where not to go. It, it hems you in uh, very specifically in, in a path. But we also said that it, that it uh, requires discipline. That's what wisdom it teaches us if it's a path, it requires discipline because you can't, you've got to walk it. You can't just know that the path is there and study the path and think about the path and test your feelings about the path. That won't make you wise. You've got to walk the path. You actually have to, have to do what it is that the path is calling you unto. And so he said it provides direction. It requires discipline, but also wisdom, thirdly, leads to a destination. And no one gets on a path and doesn't want to go anywhere. Uh, a path one is by its very nature in its structure takes you uh, somewhere and we looked at that last week and I just wanted to, you to note that each one of these couplets and there are six of them that are here in Proverbs 3, 1 through 12 follow that pattern and, and structure. Um, the, the ones that we're going to try to look at today, the couplets of verses 1 and 2 and verses 3 and 4, follow that same structure. So let's just look at that together uh, just so you can see it and then we'll, we'll consider it together. Look at verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. There's your direction. Here's what you're supposed to, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's, here's the way you're supposed to walk. Verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace, it will add to you. That's where it's going to take you. That's the destination. That's If you do not forget teaching, but you actually keep the commandments that the Father has given in your heart, it's going to lead you to a long life full of peace. And then you should be asking okay, if I've got to forget not forget his teaching and I've got to keep his commands from my heart, you need to then be asking, how can I do that? That's the discipline question. It requires discipline. You're going to need all kinds of ways to help to do that. You're going to need scripture memory, and you're going to need prayer, and you're going to probably need accountability, and and all kinds of things to help you not forget the teaching, but to actually keep the commandments from the heart. And you'll see verses 3 and 4 follow the same structure. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That's your direction. Where's that going to lead you? So that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. That's where it's going to take you if you follow that. And so we've got to figure out how to bind those things around our neck. Literally to have a necklace is the imagery that's being used there. In fact, probably the... The tradition of having a necklace of like keeping your loved ones close to your heart, maybe even a picture of them in a locket, or as some of you probably have, a cross right around your neck is in some sense a reflection of the symbol that's given here of binding that which is most important to you around your neck, keeping it close, uh, in other words, to your, to your heart. The question is, how do you do that? How do, you, how do you do that? Because as you can tell by the instruction, we are forgetful people. Do not forget. He would have told us that if that wasn't a high probability with regards to our, our struggle in life. And so by looking at Proverbs 3 in this vein, week after week, but then digging into it in a variety of ways to try to plumb the riches of it, kind of, kind of mine those together, um, I think that helps us get a handle on the, the teaching of this section and why it's so important to gain wisdom for, for the new year. And so what I want to do is, today is look at verses 1 through 4 in, in a few particular ways and, and, and try to help us get some of the foundation stones f- that are laid on this path of wisdom that we're walking uh, together. And so I uh, want to ask the question, how do we know which path? That we are to take because there's many paths in the world. Who do we need to walk with with us on the path? Because we don't need to take this path alone. And what will sustain us for the length of its long journey? All right. I want to ask those three questions really. is How do you know which path you're really to take? Because there's a lot of paths out there. Uh, who do we need with us on the path? Because we don't need to go alone. Um, and what will sustain us the long way on this journey? And I think these, these four verses answer it. And they answer it in this way. I want to go ahead and give you the answers on the front end. Um, how do we know which path? The Word of God. That's what this tells us. We need to know the Word of God. The Word of God is, is the path that we need to walk. Who do we need on the path? The church. We need, we need the church. We need all the people that are actually around you right now. And thirdly, what will sustain us on the way? The love of God. The love of God. That's the whole, that's actually the whole of the message. You're, you're welcome. That's, that's everything. That's everything. Now, we're not going to pray and finish right now, but, but that's the whole of everything. So if you get lost in the midst of the message, you at least have uh, clarity on what it is that we, uh, we discuss together today. So I want to start with this. Which path? The word of God. The path that the word of God lays out. And notice this is point one. Solomon tells us that the path of wisdom starts with the word of God. We've got to know the word. Notice verse one. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now we know that this is the word of God that's in view because that word for teaching is the Hebrew word Torah. It's the word for law. That's why in the, in the bottom part of that verse, you see the word command. Teaching and command are parallel. They're the same thing. He's saying, I want you to know my law, know my teaching, and I want you to keep, literally, treasure. Uh, I want you to keep the commandments in my heart. Now, if you think of it in this way, uh, I, I thought of it in, in this way when I was at um, St. Peter's a few years ago on a, on a mission trip to Greece and then to Rome. I remember walking in the front door of that incredible, um, church, cathedral, and as I looked to the right, which I was fascinated to look to the right because I knew in the transept chapel to the right, Michelangelo's piate was there, and I knew I wanted to see it. And there was a whole bunch of people, and there was a long line, and there were there were guards. And as is the case in Eastern Europe, there was a bit of a show of force. <laughs> okay, There were some AK-47s there on those guards, and I knew that as if I make my way over there, uh, they're going to They're going to look me up and down. They're going to consider, is this man a threat to Michelangelo's piate? (laughs) In any way, do we not want to let him in if that is the case? They were guarding or keeping the treasure. Now, what those guards are doing is what this scripture is saying should be our posture towards the treasure of the word in our heart. Now, if you can think of it this way, it's as if you walk around in the world and there's so many other kinds of people trying to get in and rob the treasure of the word from you and put what they would call treasure in you. That's what's going on as you're walking through the world all the time. And so that's going to easily happen. The word of God's going to be dethroned in your life. The, the treasure of God's commands are going to be lost in your life if you're not on guard. For from your heart flow the springs of life, Proverbs tells us. So be on guard. Be on guard for what you let into your heart. This is the posture that we should have in relationship to the word of God. It needs to be something that we, we treasure in our hearts. And we need it from the teaching of God's word. It comes from the teaching of God's word. Now, what's important about that is as he's speaking about law and he's speaking about commands. He's not just saying this wisdom comes from Mere knowledge of God's word or or mere receiving of God's word. Notice the language of keeping the commands in your heart. Son, do not forget my tea. It's it's a matter of treasure. It's a matter of it's precious to you. The Proverbs is interested not just in you getting the content of the word of God, but it's interested in you receiving the content of the word of God for the treasure it is. That's what he's interested in. And that you understand that you've gained a treasure, that you would be so guarded as to not lose it. That's, the, that's, the, that's what's the picture here of not forgetting my teaching. And, so, and what you can see in that is that wisdom is not mere knowledge. This is why we said last time that smart people are often foolish. They know lots of things. They may have lots of degrees, but they make really dumb decisions. And and they make wrecks of their their life. Um, Wisdom is, is, is so treasuring the word of God so deeply that you've gained an understanding of reality that is true of the way things are. And then you have put it into practice with your own will. And you have guarded it and you have loved it and you have followed it. So that the fruit and the benefit of that wisdom begins to manifest itself with life. In your own life. That's, that's what wisdom looks like. So, what happens is this word of God must be, must be something that, is, that has, a, has a treasured place within us. And, and now, because some of you know your, the word very well, and some of you have been in part of Cornerstone for a long time, you're like, that's not an earth shattering. Um, realization, I, I knew that. I knew that before I got here. Um, I could preach this sermon, right? Uh, you, you know some of those, those truths, but I think the question the text is actually asking is, do you? Do you know that? I mean, when you were anxious this week, was your instinct to run to the Word of God? When you were depressed, was your instinct to rehearse the truth of the gospel? When you were lonely... Did you immediately remind yourself of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the never forsaking love of God that's always attending you? Was that just immediately accessible? Or did you fret, stress, talk to others, take an ibuprofen? What did you do? And what I think that you'll probably see in raising that is that the, there's not, though you have knowledge that that's true, the Godward instinct of running to the Word as the treasure that is the path for wisdom is not actually formed within you. Right? And what that means is that we know this, but we don't know this. You know what you did in that moment when you didn't run to the Word of God? You forgot his teaching. You did exactly what we're told not to do here. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. He wants us to know that the path of wisdom is the Word of God. You know, so often um, the troubles that we experience and face in this life have to do with the fact that we have long neglect from coming back to the realizations of the truths of the Word of God. And a lot of unnecessary anxiety, fear and worry and struggle because the riches that are available to us in the Word of God, we don't avail ourselves of. And, and that's an important recognition as we begin 2022, that maybe the most important thing that the Lord does in your life this year is not the goals, the resolutions, or the habits that you're seeking to set in place, but a Godward instinct towards the Word of God becomes the reflex of the soul. It becomes the reflex that you run to Him and not to a million other places. Now, how does that, how does that happen? Well, this is what's fascinating about, about Proverbs uh, three is is it actually gives you a bit of the how, okay, in this, and I want you to see. Secondly, the church. This is who you need to be walking with, okay. This is who you need to be walking with. You're going to need relationships on this 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 journey, and 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 notice how the word of God comes. I, I love what Derek Kidner says in his commentary on Proverbs. He says, whenever the Torah is used in an unqualified sense, that's what we see here in, in Proverbs 3, the word Torah is being used. It's always speaking of God's law. But Kidner notes that Solomon qualifies the Torah and he, refer, and he uses a possessive pronoun at the beginning of it. What is that possessive pronoun? My. Do not forget my teaching, he says. Let your heart keep my command. Now, now that's, that's very interesting. What's going on here? Well, I can assure you that it's not Solomon doing what, what some in our own day and time do, and that is subjectifying, in some ways, the truth. Um, we have those who claim my truth and your truth as if truth could be in some way different from reality. Um, it's interesting, most, most of human history has actually spent time thinking about how they can align their lives with what is real. Our day and time seeks to consider how it can bend reality to what we want to be real. It's very different. It's a fundamentally different instinct than most of human history. One I would argue is unwise and impossible, by the way. Here, Solomon's not trying to subjectify in some way the truth. He's telling you that you're not on this journey alone. He's telling you you need relationships on this journey. My teaching. It's personal. It's not mere book learning. You know, the whole structure of the book of Proverbs is is a father that's speaking to a son. My son. Isn't that how this whole section begins? My son. Do not forget my teaching. It's not an arbitrary command. It's not an abstract command. It's a personal instruction that comes from a father who loves a son. Is in relationship with a son. We need what this text is telling us is that we need fathers and mothers. We need teachers. We need leaders. We need disciplers. We need those—if you can see the structure—father to a son. We need those who are further along the path to speak to those who have just begun. That's what we need. We need the church. We need the people around us. How is the word of God coming? It's coming personal. It's coming in relationship. It's coming from discipler to disciplee. That's how this word is coming. That's how it's it's structured. My son, my daughter, listen to me. Now, why can't you read the Bible on your own and just get wisdom? Why didn't you just say, read the word, alone in your closet, it's all you're ever going to need. Some of us wish he'd said that. We didn't have to engage with people, right? Why do you need relationships around the Word of God? Notice it's not people without the Word of God. It's my teaching in relationship to people, in relationship to the church. Well, it's quite obvious. There are things that you can't know ahead of time. And you need people who are further along to tell you these things. Just a test case and study is a verse you memorized when you were four years old. It's amazing, you know, amazing verse. And you you said it, and you knew mom and dad were proud when you memorized it. And it had, like, remarkable divine truth embedded in it that your little four-year-old mind didn't get. And you're like, oh, okay, God, God's in control. Great. Can I have a cookie? Right, right. And then, you know, you got to 14 and God's control became different in your understanding when you studied really hard for that test and you didn't do as well as you wished you had. And you had to consider God's control. You messed up at that recital. Or you were remarkably successful at something you really didn't spend much time on. Or you had a grace of relationship that came that you had nothing to do with. And you had to start pondering the depth of what does it mean that God's in control? And, and then it happened again when you were, you know, when you proposed to that person at 24 and they said no. Or they said yes. And you had to think differently about God's control. And then at 44, and at 64, and at 84. Now, here, you know what happened? The truth made a deeper impact over time. It's the nature of it. The the truth didn't change, but the impact the truth made on your heart changed you over time. We, We live in a day and time that wants fast light rather than a gradual dawn to noon. We're on a path. On a path. Things make sense further down the road. Then it would make sense to know people further down the road. Who could help you? Who could apply to you the things that you can't see at the stage that you're in? Who can can speak to you about your career because they're retired? Who can talk to you about the conflicts with your spouse because they've been married for 50 years? You need the church. You need people to walk with uh, along the way. You need discipleship. Um, you, You need the word in such a way... That it's coming to you embedded within the life of the church. And Proverbs is saying this is where wisdom comes from. Now, I would say some of us are really good at relationships. We like the church because of relationships, but we're not really in discipling relationships. We're not really learning from, we're not in submission to others. And then others of us are not being discipled. We're not willing to receive teaching. We're not humble enough yet to do that. And then some of us are really good Bible readers, but we don't have anything to do with people. And we're we're cutting ourselves off at the knees of gaining the kind of wisdom that Solomon's inviting us into here in Proverbs 3, is that you need the foundation of the Word of God and you need it in relationship to people. You you need the truth in relationship to the church. Thirdly, I want you to see the love of God uh, in this text. Okay, so if, if... What path should you walk in? The walk in the path of the Word of God. Who should you walk with? The church in discipling relationships. Thirdly, how will you be sustained in this long walk by the love of God? Notice verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now probably next week we'll spend a little time in that word Heart. It actually shows up three times in the first five uh, verses. We won't take as much time uh, now to talk about it, but we'll we'll spend a little time on it. But I want you to notice that phrase, steadfast love and faithfulness, as relates to wisdom. Notice he's bringing love and faithfulness into the dialogue of growth and wisdom. Now, the ancients understood this well. You know, the ancients believed that there was a close tie between growing in wisdom and love. In fact, the word philosophy means lover of wisdom. Lover of wisdom. It doesn't mean studier, knower of wisdom. It doesn't mean that. It means lover of wisdom. That's what, that's what philosophy means. It, their indication by even the ancient definition of the word philosophy is that they understood that wisdom came through affections. It came through, in other words, the things that you love. Not just the things you study. You see, this gets back to the Word. Why is is it important to Him that you keep the commandments in your heart? Why didn't He just say, just do the letter of the law and conform to what the Bible says? Why didn't He just say it that way? Because that's not obedience. He wants you to treasure it. (laughs) He He wants you to love it because you won't be wise if you don't. You see, the, the, the loving of the thing is, is absolutely important. Esther Meek wrote a great book in, in called loving, loving to Know. And, and what she says in that book is that biblical knowledge, true biblical knowledge comes on the heels of affection. Um, where you gain the real truth of something is when you have loved the thing uh, rightly. Um, when you have loved it Rightly. You've loved it the way that it's, it's meant to be beloved, And this makes, if you, can, if you can see it, it makes all the sense of the world when we look to the New Testament. You remember Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? He says that the wisdom of God is foolishness uh, to man. And, he's, and he says that the wisdom of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. Well, what is the cross? It's a picture of what? Of love. It's the greatest display of love. And what does Paul call it? Wisdom. It's both of those things. Love and wisdom intermingle. They can't be extricated from, from one another. And so we've got, we've got to let not steadfast love and faithfulness leave us. Now, it's interesting the way he put that. Don't let it leave you. Like it wants to go somewhere. It, want, it wants to escape. I was, I was quizzing my kids a little bit last night on this. What do you, I was, what do you think this means, that steadfast love and faithfulness leave you? Like, and, and my youngest, well, not quite my youngest because she doesn't talk yet, but uh, my second to youngest sa- said, well, that's kind of how it feels. Like you love someone and then it disappears. I love God for a moment and then it, <laughs> it leaves me. Wisdom comes in the maintaining of that love. Do you know when Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John 15, which we read earlier in our our service? He says, The Father has loved me with his perfect love, and I have loved you in my perfect love. And then he says, Remain in my love. Stay there. Stay in my love you're going to have a tendency to leave my love behind or to let my love leave you. Um, Now, some of you have heard that phrase, steadfast love and faithfulness. And you, you know what? You've been reading the scriptures because it's all over the Old Testament, right? In fact, it's most famously maybe presented to us in Exodus 34. You might note that text for you. Uh, note takers out there, it's a marvelous text. In fact, I think I would argue, I've not heard anybody else argue this, so I say this with some fear and trepidation, but I would argue that Proverbs 3, in part, has in view Exodus 34 because of some of the imagery that's, that's there. It's there where God comes down in a cloud on Mount Sinai right before Moses and we're told that God proclaims His name to Moses. It's a sermon on his name. God preaches it. It's a great sermon. And in that sermon, he says that I am merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. His name is steadfast love and faithfulness. Now when God declares his name to be something, he means the whole of himself. He means the, the very center of his character can be defined by the terminology of steadfast love and faithfulness. This is what God wanted to reveal to Moses in that moment on Mount Sinai of who it is that he, he is. That his love is never going to fail him. It's never going to compromise No matter how much you fail, Moses, and Moses is gonna fail a ton in the days ahead. This is just Exodus 34. No matter how many times you fail, I'm not gonna fail. No matter how many times you get off the path of wisdom, how many times you fall in the midst of the path of wisdom, how many times you forsake uh, the people that you need to be gaining wisdom from, and you wander off in the woods because you found a shortcut. You think it's better this way. No matter how many times I have to steer you back by my righteous right hand, I want you to know that my name is steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, I, I, I would suggest that God is speaking those words to Moses because there's some of the most important words we see in the whole of Scripture about who God is and His covenant love for His people. He, he wants us to know that. And the second reason he says it is because it is so hard to believe. It is so hard to believe. When you fell into sin this week and it was it was egregious, was the love of God present to you readily in your heart and your mind? Or, or did something kick in like I've got to work my way back into his good graces now because of what I've done? You don't understand he's steadfast love and faithful. The, the, the default setting and the reflex settings of our heart actually thinks that the love of God is something in the functionality of it that we need to earn or somehow get or somehow gain through something that we do. And God is telling to Moses, my name." is steadfast love and faithfulness. You don't make your way to me by the good deeds of your exercise and walking in wisdom. You immerse yourself in the love that I have poured out upon you in grace by choosing you, by setting my love upon you, by redeeming you, by providing for you, by promising to you, by walking with you. All the way to the end. You set your heart and your mind on that. And you know what? You will gain wisdom. You'll gain wisdom. Now you think to yourself, how in the world do I gain wisdom? I could become really lazy if I believed that truth, right? (laughs) If God loves me and there's, you know, nothing I can do that would sabotage his unfailing love for me, then in the words of the New Testament, why not sin so that grace may abound? (laughs) And Paul, of course, you know his response, right? May it never be. That's a sign of someone who is not really experiencing the treasure of God's love. Their heart's not really being changed by it. They see it as an opportunity to excuse their behavior. That's manipulative. That's fleshly. That's worldly wisdom. That's not of God. But someone who has been touched deeply by the love of God and knows his steadfast love of faithfulness despite all of our lack of faithfulness and has been transformed by the nature of his love is someone who says, I want to walk and follow after that God wherever he'll lead. You see, that's sustainable. That's the sustainableness of the walk that we're in. That's why he says, bind it on your heart. Inscribe it on your heart. It literally means to make it permanent. Permanent. So that increasingly you understand your status as a being. As one who is the beloved. Think of the ways in which you define yourself. Who are you? When somebody would ask you. What's the language that you use? What's the vocabulary? What's the descriptors? Is toward the very top. I am the beloved of God. And no matter what happens. He's got me and will never let me go. Now, how, if you were to sit in that and hold in that and to remain in his love, to use Jesus' words, how would that beget wisdom? Well, think of it. When do you usually do the most foolish things that you do? When you're insecure. When you're fearful. When you're trying to gain someone's approval. When you lose sight of the treasure of life, the face of Christ, that's when you get foolish. Do you know when you sinned this week, you were saying in soul, I treasure this thing more than following Christ. You would say to yourself here in this moment, you're like, I don't don't believe that. I know you don't believe that. But functionally in that moment, that's exactly what you believed. Do you see, you weren't wise in the decisions you made because the love of your heart had a light apprehension of who God was. And there was no restfulness, there was a restlessness because you had a light apprehension of His love for you. Do you see, the sustainingness of the walk of wisdom and the growth and the development of wisdom comes when we know that the steadfast love and faithfulness of God is here no matter what. That's where the development of wisdom comes. It's actually where we might say, we won't spend long on this, it's where we say that good success in the sight of God and man comes. That's what he says is the fruit of this. That we're going to find favor. It's literally grace. Language is used for grace throughout the Old and New Testament. And good success, fruitfulness, in the sight of God and man. You know what's interesting is that phrase... Success or wisdom or stature, which is all language that can be used here in the sight of God and man, is only used to other places in the Scriptures. It's used of Samuel. Right after Hannah births Samuel and devotes him entirely to the Lord, and we see Eli and his sons completely be given over to foolishness and to wickedness, the contrast is with Samuel. He is a man who grows in wisdom and stature in the sight of God and man. Language that Luke will pick up and will describe the Lord Jesus Christ by. Do you remember when Jesus is in the temple at 12 years of age? When they go there for Passover and they completely lose him. Or he might, we might say he lost them. He, he went about his father's business and he went to the temple. And he, and he spoke to the teachers of the law and they were amazed at his wisdom. And we're told that Jesus then grew day by day in stature and in wisdom with God and with man. You see, the end of our wisdom is following Jesus. It's coming back and forth to Jesus. The one who has already been wise on your behalf. The one who has faithfully fulfilled all the commands and never forgot his father's teaching. The one who never forsook steadfast love and faithfulness, had them bound around his neck and written on the tablet of his heart every day of his life. The one who is ultimately successful, who completed his mission, it is finished. The one who right now in the sight of his father is glorious and accepted and rules and reigns on high and is coming back one day in his second coming where every eye will see. And in that moment, every tongue will confess that he is worthy. He is king. Do you see, Jesus is the fulfillment of Proverbs 3. And when you're walking in wisdom, you're walking with him. You're walking in the freedom that he's already walked for you. And you're walking in the joy day to day that you get to walk in his footprints and follow where he leads. By God's grace, the restfulness and the strength that we need for 2022 will come as we gaze at the wisdom of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray to that end. Father in heaven, would you please make the realities of these truths so believable and and glorious before us that we find ourselves submitted to and shaped by these truths this year and always as we seek to follow Christ. Lord, there's lots of things right now vying for our attention and distracting us in a variety of ways. You know specifically everyone in this room and how that relates to them. Would you begin to give them such sight spiritually of the treasure of Christ in the Word and such honesty and humility to put themselves in submission to others to be discipled? That together we might experience increasing dimensions of what it means to know and to be found in your love. That we might remain in it always. And that as a people, by grace, we might be wise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.